Yeah, that's right. I mean, where can where can you not only hear about, you know, hear my laugh, but also hear about such, you know, uh, an esteemed subject as a disproportionate man. <laughs> disproportionate man's guide to pants. <laughs> Welcome to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas, here as always with my good friend Daniel. How are good you? Good to be here. I'm doing good. Good. Thank you. I mean, doing well, actually. Doing well. Grammatically yeah. correct. Not Well, I, mean, I, hope, I hope I'm doing good, too, but I mean, uh, <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're getting pedantic right out of the gate today, huh? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I want to say, uh, before we get too much further into this, a, a thank you, a hearty thank you, as always, to our patrons for supporting this podcast. Uh, they, of course, are wonderful people who have gone over to patreon.com slash reason together, and they have signed up to be supporters of this podcast. So thank you for your generous contributions, and uh, thank you for your support as well. We appreciate you. And uh, on that note, also, welcome to Jess. She is a new patron who's come on board uh, this week as part of the patron family at Reason Together. So welcome, Jess. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks, Jess. I'm always, I, I think I'm touched with everybody, every new person that signs up. I'm just really touched that uh, somebody would take that step and uh, support. And thank you very much for jumping in. And, uh, and I trust that you're already enjoying the conversations. Um, I guess before I jump into questions, um, I should ask, uh, how are you doing? <laughs> that sound I'm, mean i'm, I'm that, good yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you know me as well as you do and that we're friends you know because yes. it sounds like so uh formal but anyway so, hold on me, let me get out my checklist okay ask tom how he's doing. okay yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's Got right <laughs> done <laughs> it's like if, if only my uh working through uh what is uh what is uh good etiquette weren't like verbal like out loud <laughs> I would just think through it and then ask the question. Right. But anyway, I know you're busy um, with, with your home, and you were just telling me that you're uh, just finishing up the gutting of a room. Yeah. And uh, so that moves forward. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, with uh, I've, I've not been doing that as much as a couple weeks ago with some things starting to slowly reopen around here. We are getting more surgery cases at the surgical centers where I mm -hmm. uh, good. moonlight. And uh, so I've been picking up a little more with that lately so the construction projects have been relegated now seemingly a lot of times till tuesdays which is the day when we podcast so yes <clears throat> how about you what have you been up to um i i uh i had a birthday so that was uh that was all right um i i i, yeah. I uh i remembered how old you are yes. and uh you know what my first thought was when i remembered was Wow, that's really kind of knocking on fifty. <laughs> With, within reason. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> knocking. That's with the long arm, but it's knocking yeah. there. Yeah, it's a, it's, yeah, but, it's a long. It's a reach. But I have guy. to say, I, I'm I'm blessed. Um, I f I feel good. I think I'm in the best shape of my life. Um, at yeah. my age now. Um. So yeah, that's some been making some steps here and <laughs> good and uh, feeling pretty good. Yeah. Good. Are you so, Are you willing to tell our listeners how old you are? Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm well into my 40s. I'm 42. 42, yep. Yeah, yeah. So but now my, my kinda, wife... Kind of, sort of, knocking on 50. Kind of. <laughs> sort of. 
sort of. At least you didn't say when you thought of my age, you're like, my goodness, I mean, I didn't know he was that old. Wow. You know, <laughs> I hope he can okay. podcast for a few more years <laughs> before he goes senile. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever, did you ever stop to think though, and, and maybe this is a morbid thought that after we're gone, if the Lord tarries and podcasts remain a popular form of media, mm-hmm. um, our conversations like this will be living on the internet for quite some time. Wow. Well, I, in a sense, I, yeah, I hope so. That's an, I hadn't <laughs> honestly thought of that, though, uh, that our conversations could outlast us, but I would hope that uh, just that simple, the simple, conver- I say simple conversations, because to some, to, I, I'm sure to some people, they don't seem like these big, grandiose topics and these deep theological concerns or these major, you know, political treatises, but, but it's just it's just item after item after item just thinking through them and and bouncing thoughts off and i so i hope the hope it does last in a way yeah. just as um uh, yeah a means of encouragement you know <laughs> sure. somebody out there well, well yeah a couple and, and guys if, thinking through it <laughs> yeah and and if you're out there listening to this and it happens to be i don't know the year 20 something and, <laughs> and we're <laughs> yeah 2079 and and we're both dead and gone with the lord and you're listening to this, and you're wondering, who are these two knuckleheads? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody's significant, but we hope in the conversation that, that it's yes. uh, what helps you. <laughs> Before I jump in with first question, do you have um, uh, any feedback from another episode? I don't remember if last time, I know last time we kind of covered a question or a series of questions from one person, but did we get to all of our feedback? Um, there was a little bit of feedback about our 100th episode ideas. Um, ah, okay, yes, which we're nearing pretty soon. I mean, yes. what are we, 94 today? Na- yeah, 94. 94. 94. Fantastic. Um, one listener suggested very simply that on our 100th episode, I try to get you to laugh as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> that uh that's yeah <laughs> if you right. if you've uh, if you've known yeah if, if if you've known daniel any length of time you know that he has a laugh that is shall we say iconic iconic <laughs> <laughs> yes it's uh it's very recognizable that's pretty cool and it's very unique to him and it's very infectious because when he laughs, he laughs from deep within his soul, and, uh, and it just makes everyone else around him just instantly in a good mood. <laughs> oh, wonderful, wonderful! Yeah. That's cool. I still like that iconic. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's neat. Yep. Well, yeah. Thanks for that uh, that suggestion there. I guess that's up to you. <laughs> what, what you decide to do there. Well, it was recommended also. Uh, when I told, uh, I was talking to my wife about that and, and she said, you know, you should pull out that story that you read or that you shared on the podcast yes. a number of episodes ago. This is way back. The story that I'd written when I was in community college, um, was, uh, a disproportionate man's guide to pants. <laughs> That's right. That was the hardest. I think I've laughed on any episode, and I I'm not the only one to remember that. That uh, <laughs> yeah, that was so funny. That story continues to get a, a fair amount of uh, traffic in our analytics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So maybe we could break that out again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, where can where can you not only hear about, you know, hear my laugh, but also hear about 
such, you know, uh, an esteemed subject as a disproportionate man's guide. <laughs> disproportionate man's guide to pants. <laughs> oh, brother. We're going to try and uh, serve the listeners as best we can for any yes, potential indeed. disproportionate listeners out there. <laughs> All right. Well, jumping into some questions here. Um, this one uh, hit me on Sunday. When you think about Jesus' return, and we talk about, you know, obviously Jesus coming at some undisclosed time in the future, we believe in an imminent return, meaning and any, at any time uh, Jesus could come. Mm-hmm. And uh, but, but the way that we project um, why he's not come yet uh, is, is interesting to me. In, in other words, um, is Jesus waiting on a specific time? Like, uh, you know, and, and he says, no man knows the time, but the mm-hmm. Father, at least of the second coming, something. Anyway, um, so so is he, you know, is he waiting for the Father, and the Father's just waiting, saying, you know, in his, in his omniscience, he just knows there's a certain time when, boom, that's the time. You know, no matter what's happening, boom, that's the time he comes. Or, as I've heard uh, a missionary say, that he's waiting basically for the last soul to be saved. And when that soul is saved, boom, he'll return, you mm-hmm. know? And you don't know when that last soul is, and maybe it's the one that you're witnessing to, mm. you know, that when he gets saved, you know, that's all that's holding the Lord from coming back, essentially. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what's your take on that? And and not that we really know, or is there any indication one way or the other that he's really waiting on an event or that he's waiting simply on the Father to say, now's the time? Well, I mean... Okay, uh, since we're on a roll with being pedantic today, um, <laughs> I, I could get technical and overly philosophical and say, well, I mean, technically, in God's time frame, it's already done. It's already happened or happening. Um, right, right, and that's true. Yeah, and, and we're already seated in the heavenlies with him. Uh, I think it's Ephesians, yes. Ephesians chapter 2. Um, however... To go back to the the reference you made a moment ago of Jesus saying, no man knoweth the day nor the hour, but the Father only. I would think if he was waiting on a person, wouldn't he say, presumably, no man knows who the last person is, save the Father only. Um, And I realize that sounds Mm. kind of clunky, but um, Uh he does seem to reference a specific day and hour. Um. And he doesn't seem to reference a cause at all, like no, the, an event. It's just simply a time uh, in the Father's yeah. mind, if you will. Yeah, and then and then okay. the other thing is that uh, um, it, it kind of starts walking into the territory of um, the discussion of sovereignty and we might say determinism. <laughs> um, it, it kind of starts to, to branch over. Uh, I mean, because okay. I, obviously I think God knows who the last person will be, whoever comes to Christ before the rapture takes place. Sure. Um, right. So, I mean, could he presumably, knowing that, base his decision on that particular time frame? I suppose it's possible However, I think it's more likely, considering what we've already said, that he's he's using a day and an hour. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, uh, in the technicals of it, somebody's going to be the last person saved. Yeah, uh, I sure. mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, if he comes at a point in time, whoever was the last person saved was the last person saved. But whether he's really waiting on that, I don't see that as. Yeah. But anyway, so not that it really has to affect much, except for our terminology, mm-hmm. um, you know. But even when we say, um, "Well, you need to get saved before it's too late," yeah, that's that's still fair because sure. it, whether it's too late because it's a specific time or because you know whatever, it all kind of still goes to the the fact that there's an end point. Yeah, there's a time when the Lord's going to come, or the spirit, even the influence of the spirit, may withdraw itself, and it may be too late for that yeah. person. And it almost seems to, uh, in some ways, um, it's, it's, it almost sounds like a kingdom theology type reference. Hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm a little rusty on the issues with kingdom theology, but the idea that we're bringing in the kingdom one soul at a time, uh, um, uh. <clears throat> that sort of, sort of notion mm-hmm, that, that mm-hmm. God essentially can't come until we've done all that we can. Yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna keep evangelizing. We're gonna keep spreading our influence throughout the world until we essentially usher in a golden age, um, right? And and uh, and the world will get better and better. Which, if that's the case, it's gonna be a long time until <laughs> Jesus comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that ain't going in the right direction. Yeah. But okay. Um, do you have another question before I throw another one at you? Um, I have one from one of our patrons. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, it has the potential to take long but i just never know so yeah do you want me to go forward with it here um sure okay this is from one of our patrons uh jason and uh the subject is witnessing to someone who thinks they are already saved uh he says hello still enjoying the podcast and appreciate the after shows as well that's because Jason is an elite patron, by the way. That's right. And and someone can become an elite patron by going to patreon.com slash reason together and signing up on the elite patron status. There yes. you go. And then you have access to the after show. Yes. And, uh, and, and Jason, our elite patron, goes on saying, my question today is on behalf of my daughter. <clears throat> we are praying for the salvation of a family member who used to attend church with us. This hmm. person has been under sound Bible preaching and knows a lot of biblical terminology. They clearly don't live it, however. Regularly participating in sinful activities and living constantly in contradiction to God's word. They currently attend a church that is Baptist only in name, and when confronted with their sin by my daughter, they simply say, I've asked God's forgiveness, and and they continue going about with their lives. Um, our specific question is, how do you witness to a person who already believes they are saved? (laughs) Um, can I, can I maybe pose a question to you first in uh, sort of a preliminary precursory question to this subject? Yeah, sure. And, and that is, do we as Christians, do we have the right to question or evaluate someone's claim of salvation and essentially run testing on it mentally. Um, okay. Uh, and I was thinking the same along the same vein there. Uh, there's that underlying issue to that whole question of basically assuming that the person's not saved and on what basis or authority can we do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're asking, is there, you know, is there 
do we have the right, the authority to basically check somebody's claim of salvation, mm-hmm. right? Yep, that's the um, question. And um, in, in essence, yes. However, I mean, I, I think we're allowed to analyze fruit. And I know that some of that teaching actually goes to, say, teachers, like to spiritual teachers and false teachers, and by their fruit you shall know them, right. things like that. But First John is very much a book about how do you know uh, that you know him? Yes, it is. And so in, so by taking those very evidences and saying, oh, well, applying it to, to the life of someone else. Um, but I would have to, I guess, uh, give this caveat is that in the end, we don't decide Right. We might we might apply some external tests and say, from all appearances, I don't see a manifestation of transformation. Right. However, um, you know, it's not my call to say to somebody, "You're not saved." Necessarily, I don't feel like. Um, right. And uh, because <clears throat> internally, that's what you don't see is internally, and and so we say, well, if you're uh, if you're saved, you can sin, yeah. But you can't. You you won't necessarily have the joy in it that an unsaved yeah. person will, because you feel that conviction. Well, they may not be sharing that conviction with you. Right. They're gonna they're gonna gloss it over and make it look like they're having a good old time. Right. But they may not be. Um, and and the Lord might be punishing them in ways as a child that you don't see, um, and, which would mitigate that whole uh, judgment. Yeah. Of saying, well, okay, maybe they yeah. are. I agree with you that there is a point to which we we have a right. I would go as far as to say a responsibility in some cases, mm-hmm. in some to, cases yes. mm-hmm. to evaluate or or maybe uh, con- conduct <laughs> silent testing <laughs> of someone's of someone's claim of salvation. We might we might call it critical thinking. Um, well, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't I mean, call it a critical spirit, or some people would call it no. judging. I don't think it's that. Uh, it's just an honest test. Um, but however, when you said um, we can't ultimately know if someone is saved or not, I think there are gradations there, in which there okay. are some cases cases where we can. For instance, if I said to you, "I'm a Christian." but you know my life and that I don't live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. You might say, well, he could be a Christian, but, but he's simply out of the will of God. He's backslidden for a time. Um, but then I say to you, oh yeah. And, and, and I believe if I just be a good person that when I get, to, when I get to meet the Lord, you know, he'll look at my works and, and he'll, he'll weigh them against my bad works. And, and basically I'm revealing that I have poor theology. Yes. I, what I was thinking, can I interrupt you for a minute? Mm-hmm. When you say we're testing somebody's faith, well, everybody bases their faith or their salvation on some truth. And so simply by saying, well, does that truth match the truth of Scripture? Yes, I'm applying a test to their salvation because I'm applying, I'm saying, does their supposed truth, does the truth on which mm-hmm. they're relying for their soul's salvation yeah. match up with the truth <laughs> of Scripture? So, yeah, I mean, in, in every scenario, as we're witnessing— we are we're going to be testing everybody to sen- to sense do they understand the right. truth? Yeah, you're and is testing. That what they're resting on? Yeah, you're testing their doctrine. You're testing essentially their character. Um, <clears throat> there's there's several things that go into it there. So so I think there are some cases in which we can definitively know because the the test of truth is a pass fail test. You know what I mean? 
Um, if I'm yes. testing your claim yes. of salvation and you say something that's blatantly anti-scriptural, that's a pass-fail <laughs> test. You immediately fail the test. Um, your claim of being saved is invalid. Um, however, the the question of someone's works or their character, that's not quite just a pass-fail because Christians do still sin. Yes, and, and I certainly understand when we look at the fact that of the fruit of the Spirit, and that there should be some change evidenced, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I and I and I'm I usually point out that that change may not happen in our way in our time. Um, it may happen slower than we think, and in ways that we're not looking for right, right away. But there should be some growth. There should be some change in the heart of that person, uh, and I and I'm fully uh, for that. However, the I would say the one, and maybe you could speak to this. Um, the one story that makes me back up and go, yeah, maybe I I just can't tell everybody, you know, is the story of Lot. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you looked at Lot, especially, I mean, as, as bad as the middle of his life looked, I almost said the end is worse. Yeah. You know, but yeah. when he when he leaves Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and he becomes, you know, father to his grandchildren, you're like, oh my goodness, you know, this guy is so messed up and it's just... Um, it, you know, it's disgusting, and you're like, I'm not even sure I'd let that guy, you know, uh, you know, keep my dog for a week. I mean, I, I just, but, but then the Bible calls him just Lot, yeah, you know, which indicates that there was a, that there was some st- standing of righteousness there, though it certainly wasn't evident in his actions yeah. and in his life. Um, so, what, what's your take on that? On on whether or not Lot was a yeah, saved I mean, person. Am I, am I interpreting that right, that Lot was saved? And if so, does that kind of put a little gray over the ability of me to just clearly see somebody, oh, you're, yeah. you're, you're not backslidden, you're just not saved. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, if, if the statement of, of Lot being called just, if that is in fact a reference to his standing before God, mm-hmm. uh, essentially you know, declaring him a saved person, justified in the sight of God, um, yeah. If that's a statement like like what we're like what you're saying it is, then then Lot's behavior and his character of life certainly does make us wonder how can we apply testing mm-hmm. to someone's claim of salvation uh, and get it right <clears throat> and and that and I think what we're driving at and you mentioned something very important a minute ago is our observation. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because wow. there is yeah. there is a problem. There's a fundamental problem with our ability to run testing. Okay, if we're <laughs> if we're looking at it with uh, as an objective empirical, let's say we're scientists of some sort, and we're running this as a test. There are flaws with our observation. Okay, God God of course observes all things perfectly. Our yeah. observation is limited to only what we see when we see the person, right? We're right. not we're not there in their home with them. We're not we're not we're not there with every intimate detail of their life. Nor should we be necessarily. Um, right. And nor do we know their internal workings. Right. Nor do we know their conscience or their internal workings. Right. Um, they may, as it says about Lot, that he vexed his soul. Right. Daily. Yes. Yes. That's a good good point. Yeah. Good point. There was issues with his conscience, I believe. Um, with the life that he was leading, I think it rubbed him the wrong way, but yet he couldn't quite take himself out of the circumstance that he put himself in. Um, mm-hmm. he, he, he was a conflicted man, I believe. Yes. Um, 
ruled by his flesh and perhaps also convicted by the spirit at the same time. Um, <clears throat> that's certainly a very hard way for any Christian to live is, uh, is, is in, in conflict with their flesh all the time. We're supposed to be living in victory over the flesh. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but with a point of observation, if, if it isn't completely self-serving for me to reference an, uh, an article of my own, um, <laughs> <clears throat> no, please do. <laughs> I actually wrote a blog, blog post. Yeah. About this. Mm -hmm. This is uh, way back. I was actually preaching through, uh, John's first epistle at the time. And I created a growth trajectory graph, okay? And it hmm. illustrates the limitations of human observation. Uh, I'll link that to, to, to the show notes there. It's, it's on my blog, thomasbalzamo.com. But it okay. basically shows that, that some people have a positive inclination towards spiritual growth. They're cla mm -hmm. They claim to be a Christian. They, they have a proper understanding of truth. And, and they're growing slowly upward. And, and, and our observation is limited because we don't oftentimes perceive their upward trajectory because it's very, very slow. Yeah. And to us, it looks like they're stagnant. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, other people, however, they have a similar trajectory downward, right? They may claim to be saved, but their life is, is slowly getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. uh, those two kind of exist in sort of a gray area limited by our observation. Now, there are two ends of the spectrum, I think, that are not quite so limited, <laughs> and they're gross trajectories. If you look at the chart on the blog post when you guys read it, um, <laughs> letter A and letter D represent the two fairly obvious ones. One person uh -huh. who claims to be saved, and their life gives very good evidence of it. Um, and then the other person who claims to be saved, but their, their life gives zero evidence of it. So what we're doing is we're building a case... Um, when, when we're testing someone's claim of salvation, um, does that make sense? We're building a claim. Is that what you're saying? We're building a sense, a, in a, a sense, case. a case, not, yeah. not against right. them, but a case right, to right. ourselves well, sure. to, to actually make a decision. Um, right. there's, there's actual levels of evidence that, uh, you might, this is kind of legal jargon. Um, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. in, yeah, in, no, I see. in I our justice system, there's levels of evidence uh, a preponderance of evidence means there's a strong likelihood that what you're observing mm -hmm. is true. Okay. Um, it's it's a, maybe an argument from congruity, as Thiessen called it. Um, mm -hmm. And then stronger than that, you have beyond a reasonable doubt. <clears throat> okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you have clear and convincing evidence. Okay. And I think that with every person that claims to be saved who we're, we're learning about and, and, and evaluating in a sense you're going to see different levels of evidence. And remember, our observation is limited because we're not God, right? Um, and some people who only give a preponderance of evidence of being saved, there's just a big question mark maybe over their testimony. And we can't mm -hmm. know for mm -hmm. sure. Whereas other people, it's like, wow, yeah, that guy is, he's born again. That guy is born of God. Uh, um, <clears throat> and for, for some folks, the best we can say is, is a statement. I, uh, uh, that fellow who's passed away now used to be the member, uh, a member here at our church, but his statement was, I wouldn't trade my salvation for his. And, uh, ah, you know, I like that way of saying good. it is that I'm sure of mine. I'm really not really sure of his, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, not to say he's not saved, but well, I wouldn't trade mine for his because I'm just not real sure. I don't have the confidence, uh, of his that I do of mine. Yeah. So then, um, 
kind of establishing now that we do have the right and even in some cases the responsibility uh, and even biblical precedent for specific tests that can be run, if we're going to use that that jargon, um, what then do we do when, like Jason, we have a family member who used to mm-hmm. attend our church with us mm-hmm. and now they're going someplace that is Baptist only in name and their life is a, a terrible mess of, of sin and contradiction to God's word. But yet mm-hmm. every time they're confronted, they just say, well, I've asked God's forgiveness, but they go on living the way that they have. Um, Jason asks, how do you witness to a person who already believes they're saved like that? Well, um, I guess my thought would would be kind of dependent on are they open to it? Um, because at a certain point, to continue just... Uh, I, I, you know, I guess that's a separate argument as whether you're going to drive them away or not, and not saying that you don't witness to people just because they don't want to hear it. <laughs> but um, but anyway, anyway I, I guess I would hit on that issue of forgiveness is where if that's kind of the is that's kind of the crux of it where they're coming down like no I'm good because I asked forgiveness yeah and 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 we're saying well but there's no change um I'm trying to formulate the thought in my mind here to say basically um you know I guess to address the question to say you've asked God forgiveness for what Right. You know, I mean, I, cause it seems like the disconnect is more between what I'm saying is right and what they think is right. Because if they're literally saying, <clears throat> I agree with what you say, the way I'm living is wrong, but I've asked God forgiveness, that almost doesn't even make sense. I mean, you know, you just say, well, why are they living that way then? Uh, you right, know, right. or is that just sort of a push off? Like, you know, I'm, I'm saved cause I've asked God for forgiveness. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's if that's what they mean, then they might say, there was a time in my life when I recognized my need for God and I asked him for forgiveness, so I'm good. And, and if that's what yeah. they mean, then then the next step is to say, oh, okay, I see. Well, man, wow, that's good. But um, but what about growth? Yeah. You know, and let's talk about growth. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know there's, there's different angles you can sure. take on. Sure. And I guess the real question is, is there any inner conflict in this person's soul? about how they're living. And you can't really know that unless you ask them. Yeah, that's um, true. And that might be good. Because, I mean, question. the thing is, if someone can sin and really not care too much about it, right, uh, until maybe they casually at some point someone reminds them that they've done wrong and they go, oh, yeah, Lord, forgive me, you know. Um, if they're very blasé about it, very casual about right, it, right. that concerns me a little bit. Because yeah. someone who's indwelled by the Spirit of God uh, should experience some level of conviction. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they, they should experience some level of uh, discomfort with their sin. Even if no, no human being prompts them, there should be some level of discomfort. Um, and you really don't know that. Right, right. Unless you talk to them and ask them about it. Um, one, other, one other caution I would have, and this isn't, you know, this was just kind of left um, you know, vague in the, in the question, was to say that they know better than what they're doing compared to what we do is kind of the way it strikes me that they've left our standard or our practice and by that and by that leaving of our practice they've demonstrated that they're not saved. Well, I guess I would just say I'd be real careful as to what what yeah. we see as determining factors 
yeah. in the person's salvation or holiness to say, is that simply a standard that I set up, which may be good for me, but it's not the justifying standard, yeah. if you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know that that's it's necessarily what Jason was getting at. Okay, okay. Um, Just how to address that heart attitude, maybe, or how to broach that. I think his concern isn't so much that the person has left uh, their Baptist church and is going now to a church that's Baptist only in name. I don't think that's his primary concern. I think, in a sense, he's pointing out that that maybe he is considering some of that evidence, um, Mm -hmm. because whatever church they're going into uh, at the moment is somehow different. And perhaps they're permitting some things and, and maybe they have a different take on some things that, that he believes are contradictory to Scripture. But he doesn't he doesn't n- name anything like that. And that's why I think that's kind of a minor point of his email. His, his bigger point, I think, was that they're living in contradiction to God's Word. And they're participating, he says, regularly in sinful activities. And that's what I'm curious about is what the sinful activities are. Yeah. But but you know that's not necessarily for me to know. Yeah. Um. So I man, right off the top of my head, I don't know that I just have my my. I want to like draw back and say, let me think about this for thirty minutes and like yeah. you know pen and answer well, you know and, and an approach. But what's what's your? I, I think a good approach always with somebody like that is to ask lots of questions. Yes. Yes. Um, that's true. When you ask people questions. You don't, you, you, they, they, they're not on alert quite as much as if you come at them with some sort of statement declaring that you don't think they're saved and, and that they're, they're participating in this sinful activity and that one and this one. Um, <clears throat> asking questions has, has a better chance of getting to the conscience, I think, in many cases, and making hmm. someone conclude for themselves that, you know, maybe what I'm doing is wrong. Um, Questions just seem better suited that way. Um, mm-hmm. So I think however you approach this person, Jason, um, or I guess this would be for Jason's daughter, is uh, to, to, to ask questions um, that are prepared, maybe in your mind in advance, that, that are intended to, to draw out the conscience a little bit, uh, rather than just go forward and say, listen, hey, you're doing this, and, and I think that's sinful, and, and, and it makes me think that you're not saved. And, um, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. You uh, might give an example of maybe a, a question like that when um, you talk about... I mean, I know sure. there could be 50, but... Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, depending on what the, the individual is is doing that makes you question their salvation, <clears throat> um, a good question to be, ask, to be asking uh, would perhaps be, um, any idea what the Lord might think of that? Um, that's maybe one example. Again, you're making okay. the Lord the authority, not yourself. Right. Um, so that, that is intended to maybe draw their conscience before God a little bit. And it does call into question their activity without being so bold. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe, maybe another question, you know, do you, do you think it is difficult for a saved person to participate in such a thing? Um, again, it's just a softer way of asking the question. And there's probably, mm-hmm. I'll bet you could probably find softer ways of asking the question. I'm still uh, sometimes a little too <laughs> abrasive, but, uh, so you're probably the better guy to be, to be asking than me. <laughs> well, I would, and it, it kind of depends. Obviously the, the questions are, uh, contextual to the, 
to the issue, you know, like how exactly or what questions you would ask. But in my mind, I'm thinking that, you know, you're, they've come over for a visit and they're talking about this, uh, this Christian concert they went to, you know, and how it was just, uh, it was just so cool, you know, and, um, and it was just a whole lot of fun and the guys were just, you know, thrashing around on the stage and everybody was just, you know, jumping all over the place. And man, it was just, uh, it was just a real, um, it was just a real hoot, you know. I mean, it mm-hmm. it, it just was. It, they just had the time of their life. <clears throat> and I would, you know, you might ask a question like, um, "Did it? Uh, did that concert? Was there anything distinct about that concert from a rock concert? You know, mm-hmm. or does it? And then, I, or say, does that? Does it bother you at all that that seemed so much like a rock concert? What was the? You know, mm-hmm. if if a friend, you know, if I asked you what the difference was um, between your concert and you know. Uh, the local rock, rock rock legend, you know, what would the difference be? Is it just the words, mm-hmm. um, or what? You know what I mean? And but I yeah. mean, just kind of yeah. Driving. I guess it's kind of hard and, to know without knowing the particulars of the situation. Not yeah. Not that we're asking for those, but it's, it's I, hard to know how to answer without them. I guess the other thought of mine would be to say, what if, <clears throat> um, what it, it, you know, are are you actually looking for information? Like if you're trying to kind of get a, a glimpse into the heart of the individual, you'll ask a question in such a way that may, you know, show a softness that means yeah. I, I'm really asking this question to yeah, learn. Yeah, sure. I, I'm, I'm seriously asking the question. It's not, not a gotcha. Just, yeah, not a gotcha. It's not a rhetorical. It's to say, um, you know, yeah. so what's your, what's your take on And literally even very obvious, sure. bold questions like you were talking about in the Bill Fay book, you know, to say... Okay, you know something I've been confused about, um, you know, and wondering where, where, you know, what your what, what your take on this is, you know, what is your, you know, what do you call the gospel? Yeah, or or what do you hey, think? Because you're really wanting to know. Yeah, yeah, or what do you think makes a Christian distinct from anyone else? Yeah, um, yeah. Do you think do you think God has any standards He wants for His children, or you know what I mean? Yeah. But but get them into a conversation where you're actually waiting for them to reply <laughs> and not like that one funny YouTube video. It's like the husband and wife. It was like a playoff of like it was terrible advice for husbands and wives. And it's like you talk and then while she talks, you think and then you speak again. That's how the killer comebacks happen. You know, what I mean, it's not like you just while they're talking, you're thinking of how you're going to come back, yeah, you know, yeah. but really listening to what they what they're saying. And and in that way, you're kind of getting back to the first part of the question we were talking about of trying to discern more of the actual internal workings. Yeah. Is there any struggle there or is it a lack of understanding or is it, you know, as you as you kind of already fear the just a passive pushing off of I don't really don't care about truth. Yeah. But then again, through the questions, you're sort of laying that open and you're making sure. that more obvious. Yeah. And also depending on what level of biblical knowledge that they have, <clears throat> you might ask them to give their opinion of what they think James meant when he said faith without works is dead being alone. Um, sure. Yeah. You could bring in questions. Yeah. Because like I mean, there's really, we've already mentioned First uh, John, but James, I'd say, is perhaps the other foremost writer in the New Testament that deals with this subject of basically the changed life as a result of being born again. Um, so those would be maybe two good sections of Scripture to go over before you have such a conversation with someone. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying as, as 
as you're talking, it's funny. I'm thinking uh, we could ask our listeners: Do you ever do you ever think out loud like we're doing? In a sense, we're like <laughs> you you think something, you try to say, uh, you try to give the best answer, and they go, "Oh, okay, maybe I could have said it better." And That's then it. you go back and forth, and you know, 15 minutes down the road, you're like, uh, "Okay, well." that probably looked a little vulnerable back there or I felt vulnerable, but, um, or, or do you feel like all of your answers always have to be polished so you don't say anything, you know, yeah. if you're willing to think out loud and be, and be subject to that, uh, uh, that critique, you know what I yeah. mean? Then you're going to have more productive conversations. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. So, well, thank you for the question. Do you feel like we kind of, Gave I, I something to think about there? I don't know, because uh, a lot of times these conversations, and I've had these these kind of conversations with people before, it is a mm-hmm. give and take, and your responses do oftentimes depend on how on, on the feedback they give to what you've, what you've said. Um, mm-hmm. So we're kind of trying to create this conversation one-sided on how to witness to a person who already believes that they're saved. Um, right, right. I, without... I mean, aside from from just first off asking them questions, like you said, what do you think the gospel is? You know, it test test their knowledge of truth. Okay, mm-hmm. then do the mm-hmm. truth test. Okay, and, and see if they pass the truth test. That's a pass or fail. Um, and and the obedience test. Understand that that you're you you can't fully know. Your observation's limited. You don't know how well or not well they're in obedience to the Lord all the time. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I, I think the third test that I think John covers in, in his epistle is the love test. Um, do they love the brethren? Um, what's their relationship to a local church? Um, you know, do, do they, are there, are there primary circle of friends, born again people? Um, I think those are, those are important questions to ask. Uh, but aside from that, you kind of, you kind of need to just have that give and take conversation. And, you know, one other thought that I, I do have as we kind of finish this out um, is that in some sometimes you can almost talk to them as if you assume you're on the same page. And yeah, what I mean yes. by that is give a testimony and be like, oh, man, you know, I was I was reading the day, you know, the, I was studying the other day and it just hit me. Wow, that God, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And you lay out why you think that and why you've drawn that application from that text and say, man, that was such a blessing to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, and, sure. And, and, and un- it, unless they're completely shallow and oblivious, that will bring some <laughs> conviction. Um, mm. There's some conviction that comes from that because in their mind, they're going, wow, I mean, they're kind of excited about godly things. And, and I never get like that. <laughs> and you've inter- and and you've introduced a truth to them in a in a very uh, non confrontational easy way because all you're doing is sharing a blessing, yeah, and demonstrating your joy in what you've learned. So yeah, good. Well, thank you, Jason, for the question. Yes, thank you. And any uh, any feedback, you know, feel free to send that our way too. Yeah. Um, boy, we are nearing out of time, but I wanted to try to um, throw <clears throat> one more in there. But do you have one that you want to cover? Um. I don't, but real quick before we move on, I was going to give yes. a recommendation to Jason. Um, again, I'm not trying to shamelessly plug my blog here, but there was a book <laughs> review that I did of Dean mm-hmm. and Sarah's book, The Unsaved Christian. Mm, and okay. uh, I included a number of quotes there on that. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. But a very good read. I recommend everybody read The Unsaved Christian by Dean and Sarah. Um, yes, neat. That sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so is there a question that I want to go over here? Um, I kind of like a couple of yours here. Um, why don't you okay. Why don't you go ahead? 
Okay, um, well, the last one I, uh, well, yeah, had a couple here more, but we won't cover them all. But uh, obviously, what we're seeing right now in the news cycle, and of course, we talked about those people who are going to listen here in 57 years, you know, <laughs> to this, they won't so much care about the name. But there have been a lot of rioting and looting going on, which seems to have been sparked by the death of a certain man, mm-hmm. right? Yep. At the, at the hands or the knee, if you will, of a police <laughs> officer. And, uh, and I th- it is a tragic thing, no doubt. Um, sure. it, that is a tragic circumstance. Um, I don't you know, believe that it's um, uh, indicative of systemic, a systemic problem throughout the entire system. Right, but, me neither. Um, but obviously, um, you know, it has sparked some reaction. So my first question is, what does rioting say about a person? And it, it, kind of even taking it out of the context, when a person goes to rioting, what does that say about him? Hmm. Well, I'm trying to think of what it would take for me to riot. <laughs> um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and, and by riot, I mean um, breaking and vandalizing things, stealing yes. things, setting yep. things ablaze. What would it take for me to do that? Um, I think it w- what it would take is probably a long time of an underlying desire to do that anyway. <laughs> um, I, I don't <laughs> okay. think I don't think I could just switch that on. You know what I mean? That that seems like it would uh-huh. be very difficult to do. Um, it, it seems like in many ways rioting, in the way that, that people are doing it right now, um, it seems to be almost revelatory of a pre-existing desire to do that anyway. And, and cases like this are just simply the catalyst. Mm-hmm. It just gives them a reason to do it, yeah. you're saying? yeah. Okay. Okay. And and it gives them, in a sense, a a, a feeling of of righteousness that they're doing it for righteous reasons, but yet they they okay. just wanted to do that anyway. I to to trying to be, I guess, fair or kind. I'm I at least have to acknowledge that um, there may be on the part of some of them anyway a a deep sense of frustration. Because whether the perception is correct or not, they really feel like there's a problem which which is not being solved. Um, and they feel like, uh, you know, this is a is a gross injustice. Nobody's doing anything about it. And and, you know, I can either step out in my front yard and scream, you know, or or, you know, contemplate suicide or I can go out and just, you know, mm-hmm. burn and bash something. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's that's kind of my take is that there's such a pent up anger now again false narrative yes yeah but but if the perception is real i think there is a level of frustration there however i'd have to add this though that regardless of what they're feeling is like you said maybe there's like kind of like this dormant desire there anyway like man i wish i could <laughs> yeah you know it's kind of beat up on but, some people uh, um do you think that it's it's normal though for people to you know, conceptually, if if there are several isolated incidents that happen on a yearly basis, and then and then taking those and m- making every situation into that, um, and I guess what I'm what I'm driving at is what you said: the claim of systemic problems that mm-hmm. because this man was was killed. Um, by a police officer, that that means all police officers are desiring to kill in that way. Do you think that that people like that are consistent? Do they apply the same kind of logic oh, no. to every Absolutely aspect 
of life. No, and, and it's if they, not a logic. No, it's not a logic. So if they don't apply that consistently to every aspect of life, why is it the one issue of of white male cops that they apply mm-hmm. systemic problems to? You know, and and it, when when there are other isolated incidents that happen, they don't they don't just all of a sudden make it a systemic issue. It's that issue mm-hmm. that they make systemic. Why? Well, I, okay, right off the top of my head, I'm just going to take a shot at it and say that, that it, they would feel, first of all, that it's the color of the skin, which to me is, is I, I wish people would just, we don't have races in this country. Um, you know, there's one race, we have different skin colors, but we're all a part of the human race, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Sure. Um, yeah. But anyway, they see first the color of the skin, and if, they're, if, you know, if a guy down the road of that color skin did something, they would still sort of see that st- systemic problem. But what I think aggravates it is that when it's, a, uh, if, when it's a white police officer, now it's a man with that color skin who has authority over them and who has the ability to, you know, tr- mistreat or abuse them, you know, by right. cuffing but, and by doing this. And so that all aggravates it. Do you see, though, it, that it's what I'm getting at is it's essentially racism in reverse also. Um, there, there's racism on, on both sides of the claim, both sides of the issue. I mean, if, if someone who was, let's say, uh, I'm trying to think of a kind of a neutral example here, you know, guy says, you know, I'm Irish. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and, and he gets drunk and he punches me in the nose. Okay. Is, is it, is it fair of me to declare that all Irish people are drunken and violent people? No, of course not. No, it's not. not. And, and there would have to be, in a sense, some sort of contempt that I have towards mm-hmm. Irish people for me yes. to declare all right. of them are that right. way based on the actions of one. Yes. So That's what true. I'm saying is to claim that it is systemic as a problem in this country that white male cops are hunting black people, to make that claim reveals racism. There is racism on the other side, in that right, sense. Those right, who would I make see. such a claim are actually yeah. being racist, if we're going to use their own word. In other words, they're highlighting the racial divide constantly. They're not trying to bridge that gap and, and, and say, no, we're just people on people here. Yeah. They're, well, they're, well, they're, they're highlighting the racial they're divide revealing, in order to... Yeah, they're revealing their own contempt for white people by claiming that all white people have that problem. Okay, okay. Um, good. And that's a good point. Um, so besides, you know, say you said, um, you know, maybe like kind of a dormant desire to, to do some destructive things. I'm saying maybe a frustration inbuilt or, you know, a, a pent up frustration. Yeah. It, regardless, you know, I thought earlier you were going to ask, is that a reasonable response? So let's say I'm frustrated. You know, do we just expect the average frustrated person to just like walk up to a department store window and just start bashing it in with a hammer? No, no, no. we would say that person is out of control. So they're there. You know, what rioting says about a person might might obviously include some inner factors of resentment, bitterness, frustration. But it also indicates um, a lack of self-control and really a lack of a moral compass. Yeah, um, I agree. Because, because, yeah, if you, if it just a really candid look at the situation, it doesn't take, you know, more than a, a maybe a third grader to see um, that doesn't even make sense. You know, yeah. how, how am I solving the problem by destroying more things that even affect the ethnicity that I think I'm standing up for? Right. 
Right. How do I tear down my own city and create a, a worse economic problem to try to solve this problem? Yeah. You know, I, it just it doesn't make sense. Um, and so there's not really a compass there. And and I think to go back to what you're saying, there's maybe a desire anyway. I mean, you have to really yeah. question when you see a guy, uh, you know, and I've just heard, I haven't maybe exactly read, but, you know, if you see somebody carrying a large screen TV out of a store, supposedly in response to the death of somebody his same skin color or whatever, you go, wait, what? How's that? You know, I guess the only connection I can make is somehow that's, you know, a jab at, you know, fat, rich uh, business owners. Yeah, Yeah. because you're the problem. But that wasn't the initial problem. No. The initial problem was a police officer, yeah. you know? And so it just, it's not really a logical connection. And you still have to do kind of say, ah, I think there's a, more of a desire there, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. But it, it says a lot about a person. And so then my, by extension, I say, what does it say about a culture that riots um, or that allows rioting? Hmm. You know, have, have we become, uh, and, I, and I guess what I'm saying maybe is when we don't stop it or, or when we don't, when we don't publicly cry out against it, and I and, and several are, mm-hmm. but those who don't, you know, what what does that say about a culture that we would tolerate that kind of activity? Do do we do that in our homes? Well, honestly, some homes do. Yeah, the little kid doesn't get what he wants. He goes into essentially a mini riot. Yeah, and we negotiate around it, and we you figure out how to salve the kid, and you move on. Well, twenty years later. Now he's a big yeah, rider. He's throwing bricks you know through I mean? store windows. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really kind of indicative of really a deeper problem, a family structure. Sure. Um, again, a lack of a of a code of ethics and a moral compass and things like that. Um, and I'm going to have to save uh, this next question for our after show. But but uh, thanks. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop it right yeah, there. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> I'm glad you did because that's kind of a, a cliffhanger point to end on. Because there's more to be said about that. And, yes. uh, and we'll take that into the after show. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to do that to you, uh, regular listeners, but, uh, <laughs> if you want to hear the rest, <laughs> you'll have to go over to patreon.com slash reason together and join up as an elite patron. And you can hear the after show where we finish this conversation. Thanks again for joining us. We're encouraging balance, developing perspective and connecting faith to practice. This is reason together.